Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Fanville Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. I'm joined by our co-host and producer, Evan, and our other co-host, Dakota. So, how are we guys doing today? I'm feeling great. We're five episodes in already. Feels like we just started yesterday, and we got our first sniff at a Battle of Alberta game, and there was 10 goals scored. I loved it. How about you, Dakota? Doing good, and uh, starting to realize how COVID's really starting to affect the uh, NHL right now. A lot of rescheduling of the games. Uh, for example, Arizona and St. Louis are having to play basically a playoff series because uh, the Colorado has had a COVID situation, and it's a playoff series. It's six games. Might go seven. Quite don't know yet, but I'm just really enjoying how everything's playing out. How are you doing, Tyler? Yeah, I'm doing good. As Evan said, Battle of Alberta, 10 goals in the first game out of 10. We're on pace for 100 goals in that series against those two rivals. And Dakota mentioned the COVID rescheduling and all the series either extending or being postponed. Very unfortunate. My main takeaway, on a positive note, a fun note, we're starting to see some new jerseys, some reverse retros being played, and they're and they're beautiful. So looking back at the last week, let's look at the news from the past week. Colorado has huge injury problems with six NHL regulars out week to week. Carolina announced that they have hired Justin Williams as special advisor to the general manager, who is Don Wadel. Patrick Laine was activated from the IR for Columbus and played his first game for his new team against Dallas. Columbus played a two-game series versus Dallas and a two-game series versus Carolina, where Laine had four games played, three goals, and zero assists, good enough for three points with Columbus. And interestingly enough, he was benched the second game against Carolina at the end of the second period and the entire third period. So maybe some drama there again with Tortorella. It doesn't look exhilarating if you're a hockey fan or a Columbus fan or a Line fan. The Canucks are the first team to allow five-plus goals in nine of their first 16 games since the 1993-94 Ottawa Senators. Vancouver's record is 6-10-0, good enough for 12 points. They have a minus 13 goal differential, and they are fifth in the North Division. Washington forward Alexander Ovechkin scored his 709th goal this week, putting him in sole possession of seventh all-time for the goal count in the NHL. He passed former Washington forward Mike Gartner. Next on the list is Phil Esposito. Austin Matthews extended his goal streak to seven games, and he's found the back of the net in each of his last eight appearances. He had one game injured, so the records are going to show you seven games in a row. But personally, he has goals in eight straight. But the records, again, they'll show you seven games in a row. This goal was also his 300th NHL point in only 294 career games played. He's the first Maple Leaf to score in seven straight games since Dave Anderchuk in the 1993-94 season. Only two players in the last 25 years have had a longer run of consecutive games played with a goal. Those two players were Team Usulani when he was with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks in the 1997-98 season. He was on an 11-game goal streak. And some guy you may have heard of, I mean, Team Usulani may have been a guy you heard of, but this guy, Yarmir Yager, Played for the Pittsburgh Penguins 
1996 and 97, he had a nine-game goal streak. They're the most recent three players to have seven games in a row with a goal. Some good company right there for Austin. Some non-NHL news, but still hockey news. We have to throw a congrats out to St. Louis General Manager Doug Armstrong. He has been chosen as the General Manager for Team Canada at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Still moving along with news, but COVID-19 related news, as we unfortunately have to have a whole section for this. New Jersey has 18 players on the NHL COVID protocol list. The NHL has postponed all New Jersey games until February 15th. All Buffalo games have been postponed through at least February 13th due to COVID protocols. Seven players on Buffalo are on NHL COVID protocol, including their head coach, Ralph Kruger. All Minnesota games have been postponed through at least February 13th due to COVID situations with six players on the NHL COVID protocol list. All Colorado games have been postponed through at least February 11th due to COVID protocol. Due to Colorado and Minnesota having their games postponed against St. Louis and Arizona, St. Louis and Arizona are now set to play each other again next for a total of six games in a row between these two, making it an NHL record for most games played against the same team consecutively. These teams were scheduled to play against each other eight times this season, and now we're getting, for sure, six in a row. The NHL did entertain the thought of throwing in a Thursday game, which would make it seven in a row. There's been no official word on that as of yet. Just jumping back since you're rolling right now, like New Jersey with 18 players out, that's a full NHL roster. You have in, like 18 players on a full NHL roster. They're done till the 15th. Buffalo, seven. Minnesota, six. Colorado is having problems. There's a big problem, it seems like, in the West with them with two teams. And then same with the East. There's been no cases or no cancellation of games in the North. All right, so th- that's the news of the past week. Unfortunately, I had to mention all those postponements due to COVID, but it is what it is. And as Evan said, North Division looking strong. No postponements, no cancellations. I'm happy for that. So looking back at the past week, we had some, a lot of notable injuries. Defenseman Sean Walker for L.A., he took a slap shot to the face. He's a hockey guy, so he didn't go down. He got up right away, as as you do. He's going to miss two to four weeks. Uh, this season, he's had seven games played. No goals, but two assists. Good enough for two points. Center Nathan McKinnon for Colorado has a lower body injury. He's week to week. So far this season, 10 games played, two goals, 12 assists. Good enough for 14 points. Defenseman Eric Johnson on Colorado, upper body injury, week to week. Four games played, no goals, one assist. Center Pierre-Edouard Belmar for Colorado. You think I've said Colorado enough. We're not even close to done. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, he has a lower body injury. He's week to week. This season, eight games played, no points as of yet. Defenseman Devontae's for Colorado. Lower body injury, week to week. Eight games played so far, three goals, two assists, five points. Right winger Matt Calvert on Colorado. Upper body injury, he's week to week. He has six games played so far, only one assist. And then goalie 
Pavel Francois, the last, the last man on Colorado, I swear, has a lower body injury. Week to week, this season, well, he hasn't played at all this year yet. Last season, he was pretty decent. I mean, looking at these numbers, 34 games played, 21 wins, 7 losses, a .923 save percentage, 2.41 goals against average. Moving on with injuries, goaltender Peter Mrazek on Carolina. He had surgery on his thumb. Carolina has listed him as day-to-day. I mean, surgery is surgery. Uh, this season, he has had four games played so far. Two wins, one loss, .955 save percentage, .99 goals against average. He's had two shutouts. He was awesome. He's leading the league in save percentage and goals against average as of now. Left winger Tyler Bertuzzi of Detroit. He has an upper body injury. Out indefinitely. No timetable right now. This season so far, nine games played, five goals, two assists, seven points. Center Ryan Johansson on the Nashville Predators. Upper body injury. Week to week. So far this season, ten games played, no goals, but four assists. Defenseman Zach Wierenski on Columbus, lower body injury. He's expected to miss one to two weeks, but Columbus has listed him day-to-day. This season so far, 12 games played, one goal, three assists, good enough for four points. Center Robert Thomas on St. Louis, thumb injury. He's at four to six weeks. This season he's had 12 games played, one goal, five assists, good enough for six points. And finally, on the notable injury list, Wayne Simmons, on the Toronto Maple Leafs, wrist injury. He's week to week, and this season he's had 12 games played, five goals, no assists. Those are all the injuries, suspensions, and fines of the past week. On February 7th, San Jose defenseman Redim Shimmick has been fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for spearing Anaheim forward Adam Henrique. A notable waiver from the past week: Ottawa placed defenseman. Braden Coburn on waivers. His contract is one year, $1.7 million. Let's look at some of the teams that are hot. The hottest team right now we have listed, Toronto Maple Leafs. They're first in the league. Their record is 10-2-1. Good enough for 21 points. They're the first and only team to hit double digits in the win column. Uh, one thing about Toronto, I know a lot of people hate on how much they pay their star players. But you got to look at the stats here. Marner's top of the league in points. He's not at the top, but he's I think he's top five. Austin Matthews got seven goals in seven games, so he's really starting to get hot lately. So you kind of see there that uh, those top players are really contributing for Toronto. and I mean, they're looking good, looking like they can be cup contenders this year. Another thing about Toronto that I've kind of seen is before the season, when they got Joe Thornton and Simmons, the talks in Toronto are how are we going to – how is this team going to do better with slower players? And now the talk of, in Toronto is how is Toronto going to play without Wayne Simmons and Joe Thorne? Because even though they weren't there for too long, I mean, Simmons has five goals. I mean, that, I mean that's not a lot. I mean, it's not compared to, like, Matthews and Marner and stuff like that. But, I mean, five goals from a player that's on your third, fourth line, I mean, that's kind of hard to come by. Yeah, as you said, they're trying to fill in the spots now, and – People were were talking like, well, how are you going to put them in? Well, now it's like, how are you going to fill their spot? They had a great immediate impact for Toronto, and it showed in their their record. But, hey, without them, Toronto's doing fine as well. They've, they've been able to fill in those spots, and that's, 
that's why they're the hottest team in the NHL right now, really. They've had injuries, and they've they've dealt with them. They're winning. So moving on to the rest of the teams that are hot, Boston. They are second in the league with an 8-1-2 record. They have 18 points. They're currently on a three-game winning streak. Montreal, they're third in the league. They have an 8-2-2 record. Good enough for 18 points. Philadelphia is fourth in the league with an 8-3-2 record with 18 points. And Tampa Bay, fifth in the league. They're 8-1-1, 17 points. They're currently on a five-game winning streak. People, I feel like people are not talking about Tampa Bay as much. It may be an expected thing, like, oh, yeah, Tampa might win that division. But I feel like there's no talk around Tampa right now. I don't know if it's just that expectation or, in my opinion, these games really aren't that flashy. They're not... They're not bombastic. They're not ridiculous as some other games that are going on in the NHL. Yeah, going to what you said, I think the reason not a lot of people are talking about it because it's kind of what they expected for Tampa Bay to do. Uh, the thing a lot of people are talking about is just Montreal and how unexpected it is, how good they've been playing. I mean, it's not just uh, – I know Tyler Toffoli's been playing amazing. Uh, I didn't expect him to play as well, but you look at Montreal, you look at all four lines – all four lines just look like they're clicking. Their chemistry's there. They overall just look like a good team that's just really on a roll right now. The main reason I think Tampa Bay is all kind of hush-hush right now is the other team in Florida. I mean, the Florida Panthers were undefeated in regulation until as of recent, and they did lose to the Detroit Red Wings. But I think, like Tyler said, I think everyone expected Tampa to be winning that division so them going to a, an 8-1-1 one, one start I don't think is too surprising I think the more surprising thing is seeing that the Florida Panthers were off to another good start and you have to think most of the people in Tampa Bay have not been thinking about hockey they've been thinking about Super Bowl 55. Champa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup the Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl Rays went to a World Series life's good in Tampa Bay right now yeah, it comes to no surprise. Tampa is fifth in the league, only two losses so far. So looking at teams that are cold now, Ottawa, coldest team in the league, undoubtedly. They're 2-10-1. Five points. Negative 26 goal differential. Now, this is not shocking news, not a surprise, but they are the coldest team. Ottawa only has two wins, but in those two wins, I think they did very well. The first game they won against Toronto, I think they played a very good, well-rounded team, especially for the first game like with most of these players in the lineup since they had so much turnover in the offseason. They've been getting scored on a lot, and I think goaltending is the main problem there. But you also have to realize that most of these guys on the team are younger, and they still have to grow into – like NHL players, and I think they're slowly getting there, but I think with the player turnover, like I mentioned, I think it's just taking a little bit longer. Some people expected Ottawa to be good this year. Going back to what Evan said, it's just they have a lot of young talent. It's going to take um, a certain amount of time for all that young talent to get ready for the NHL. I mean, they have three rookies playing right now. They have Stutzel, Norris, our team, Zub. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Roster is pretty young. 
But I think eventually they're going to start to get it on a roll. And then Matt Murray hasn't been looking the best, but like I said, defense kind of goes hand-in-hand with that. Yeah, uh, defense, it's uh, something needed in Ottawa. It's nothing too shocking. They're in a rebuild big time. We're not going to blame them too hard here. I mean, like Shabbat can't do everything. He can't be out there for 60 minutes. He's like the only defenseman that's really stood out. Dakota mentioned that Zub. I caught one of the games where he played. He played decent defensively, but he took some penalties that I didn't think were really needed. And if you're a struggling team, the last thing you need to happen to you is to go on the penalty kill because that just, especially against most of these teams in the north that have no problem scoring. Yeah, that's another great point. This North Division, we all saw that the East Division was stacked, but this North Division has surprised us with offense, and that's not good news for Ottawa one bit. That's not surprising to see that they have a minus 26 goal differential. So moving on with teams that are cold. Detroit, they are 30th in the league with a 3-8-2 record, good enough for 8 points. They have a minus 18 goal differential. Detroit is kind of like Ottawa, in my opinion. They had a decent amount of turnover. The standout player that I like there, besides like their all-stars that they have in like Bertuzzi, who's hurt, and Larkin, who's kind of been carrying a little bit offensively, I like Thomas Grice. He seems to fit that system very well. He just is having a hard time winning, and he finally did get his first win. And I think he's starting to feel it a little bit. But like, just like how Ottawa is in the north, I mean, Detroit's in the central, and they got teams like Dallas and Tampa Bay. One thing that's really hurting Detroit is their special teams. Their power play percentage right now is 10%, so it's not the best. Then their penalty kill, they are bottom 10 in the league with 71.8%. So... You're kind of missing what makes that power play good is you put your top liners out there, your stars, and you look at Detroit. They have young talent, but you don't see, like, that superstar. Or there's, They have Dylan Larkin, which they're one big talent, but you don't see really anybody that can play with Larkin on his level consistently. That's my big thing. I was like, another thing to jump on to you, the last week we talked about how their defense only has one goal, and I know like defense aren't supposed to be like your goal scorers, but I mean, every once in a while you want to have a little bit coming from your back end. They only had one goal scorer last week, they had one this week, so they're only getting two goals from their defense, and they've almost played, what is it now, they've played? About almost a month and a half. Yeah, they've played a month and a half, and they only have two goals from their D. Yeah, Detroit, as you said, Dakota, special teams, not that great. Thomas Grice, he's been a good bright spot. I I think he's a, a good fit for Detroit. He's looked solid each time I've I've seen a Detroit game where he's playing. It's just it, it's hard to win with Detroit right now. I don't blame him, but Detroit they want to keep him. I I guarantee you he's looking he's looking good. Los Angeles, they are 29th in the league, a three six and two record with eight points. Minus seven goal differential, and they are currently on a four-game losing streak. L.A. being third to last, I think is maybe they should be a little higher 
but they, in my opinion, they've really been staying in the games. They haven't really been blown out by anybody. They've re- they've kind of like stuck with it until the third, and then they let like that one goal in, or you know, what I mean? like the little squeaker in, and then it's just you know kind of goes downhill from there. To me, what they put on the ice is a competitive team, but they're going against St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and they try to get those wins against Anaheim and San Jose and teams like that. And they were even thinking about, like, oh, we could maybe beat Minnesota. But Minnesota's been – and they've had their number. I mean, overtime, you know, like, all – everything. And, like, me seeing L.A. in 29th in the league – was kind of surprising because to me they put a good product on the ice for a team that is still trying to figure it out and they have enough prospects to maybe boost them up later la has most certainly been within these games they're they're being competitive i don't know if the lineup is competitive like on paper but their execution and performance has been pretty pretty good especially for a third to last place team I think they're a little unlucky but it is a tough division you have the likes of Colorado Vegas St. Louis and they have that four game losing streak to kind of softer teams so I don't know if it's a luck thing or an execution thing but they're just, they're just cold yeah going to what you guys said they're they don't look bad at all I mean Sometimes you can tell they're not quite there with the competition that they're facing, but they at least stay within about two-goal differential, uh, what they stay within. And one of the, I don't think they're going to be – this year's kind of the – we're going to at least try, we're going to put the effort in in every game, at least be close in every game. I think after this season, the off season, if they acquire some, let's say, more talent, pick up some free agents, maybe a little few accusations. I think they're right there with everybody else. Yeah, that's all That's all it takes, really. You can just have one good pickup and maybe a few, but like maybe a one star pickup. But I don't see, I don't foresee L.A. doing anything major soon. But they do have a good pool system where their prospects and everything, they're young guys, they're looking scary in the future. So it may be a future destination for star players like hey I want to go to LA I want to win maybe not I don't think next season but coming up yeah I can see some players saying hey I want to go to LA I like what I'm seeing there Vancouver is cold currently on a five game losing a streak and they sit fifth in the north they're not looking that great I saw an interesting stat where they're letting like the most shots against per game and they're in company with some teams that weren't good in the past 25 years they're grouped with like the early San Jose Sharks from the early 90s not a good team by the way and their defense is just bad their goaltending is fine goaltending is what's keeping them in games defense is not it's just not good. That's a main focus in Vancouver right now. Besser has been a highlight of the Vancouver offense. He's on the top five or so of the goals. 
And then on the back end, you have Hughes, who's been carrying most of the the defense, and then he has a lot of assists. Goaltending, I don't think, is an issue, even though there has been some kind of questionable games in there. Defense to me, and then the lack of star players up front, like Elias Pettersson, who hasn't really shown up yet, and other players around the league, or other players around the team that have been spread out that really haven't hit, like, hit yet like Miller was out with COVID and now he's kind of starting to get into it he's also starting to get into it with Braden Hopi and just just it seems like there's a lot of locker room stuff going on and Travis Green their coach he did an interview and he just he seems like he's trying to piece everything together what's happening it seems like there's multiple things going on do you think Travis Green has a hold of his players I don't know but if he wants to keep that job this is his last year and right now it's not looking too good Vancouver it's not out of the realm of possibility to get out of the hole that they're in right now. They're 6-10. and 10. You can easily, not easily, but you can get out of that, try to get, you got to take it one game at a time to get to 500. So you get to 500, and then you focus on getting that positive record, and everything's got to start to click for them. Defensively, they got they just got to do better. Uh, they haven't played that good defensively. Hopi doesn't look horrible. Back to what Evan said. Goalies aren't the problem. Demko hasn't looked bad in a few games, too. He had one game where he looked really good, but he had another game where he looked really bad. So it's just a lot of inconsistencies with Vancouver right now. Vancouver, like Dakota said, I mean, they're not doing too bad. I mean, they're only fifth in the north. But teams that aren't that amazing are beating up on them. I guess they beat Ottawa. But, I mean, are they able to beat the Winnipegs, the Calgarys, the, you know, it's like they're not they're they're doing horrible against Montreal. Someone's on a revenge tour. And just like looking at it of like what like Vancouver has done like within like the last like calendar year. They did really good in playoffs. They knock off the champs. Yeah, they go to game 7 against a good Vegas team and then off-season hits and it it honestly seems like they got stuck with their hands in their pants. To be honest with you, like they they let everybody kind of walk on them, and they didn't really get too much in return. They got Hopi and Schmidt were kind of the two big pickups, and they yeah they lost a lot. And I guess you can you can see that. Yeah, I whenever we did our beginning predictions for standings, this is why I picked Calgary over Vancouver. People based on last year in playoffs, they said, oh, Vancouver, yeah, they're they might be a team to beat sort of thing. I'm like, well, I think Calgary is a team to beat because they got a lot of Vancouver players and the good, reliable Vancouver players, not just random ones. I mean, the good ones. Vancouver, they're, they're missing those guys big time. One person that's really got to step it up is Pedersen. He's only got five goals right now. And comparing that, you look at Toronto, Wayne Simmons has five goals. So they really got to He's got to step it up. You look at our earlier podcast we took, was it Pedersen or the field? And a lot of us, I think maybe the majority of us, took Pedersen because we just see him as that elite player, and he needs to play at that level for Vancouver to be the best. And you look at their top five, he's at five goals, Mott's at five goals, Horvat's at six, Brock Bester's at nine. I would at least expect him to be at eight right now. I think that would be a respectable number, but not five. Yeah, we all took Pedersen as our MVP pick'em for Vancouver. Well, I think we might get that wrong as of right now. 
Hopi, he might be their MVP right now. The numbers won't tell you. He's facing the most shots in the NHL right now. He's he's the reason they're even competing, in my opinion. He's He has split the games with Demko, but it seems that whenever Holpe's in that, there's just more offense from the other team. Um, I could possibly argue that point with Hopi, and I think Besser stands out and Hugh stands out for me. Like, Hopi, we're going to talk about it later. His goals against isn't amazing, but, I mean, neither is his team in general. But, like, the two standout players for me it would be Besser and Hughes. Yeah, Hughes has been doing great. He's got a bunch of assists so far. He's got a lot of minuses. Yeah, Vancouver, that defense, it's it's telling of kind of how bad of a job this offseason was for them. You mentioned the plus minus. Quinn Hughes is at a minus 13 right now. So he's producing offensively, which is what you want him to do, but you got to kind of mix it in there if you're a defenseman and that's what you, your job is to play defense for every point just about every point he's scoring he's letting up two goals against that's not good i mean sure you want the offense from from a defenseman it's like hey i'll take it but then it's like can i get defense from a defenseman Man, it's not all his fault but it's not it, it's just not good at all they just they absolutely deserve to be on this cold list big time Another team, Washington, currently on a three-game losing streak. They sit third in the East. Not bad standings-wise, but they are on that skid. Washington, we've already talked about the COVID situation with Ovi, Samsonov, Orlov, all of them. And everyone was thinking, what, are the, what is the Capitals going to do without these players? Like, they're going to go on a losing streak. And they didn't. They kind of kept it. They kept cool, like they kept it cool, calm and collective, and all that. Then these players come back, and they go on the losing streak. I I personally think it's just laziness. Whenever those players are gone, the team steps it up. The players come back, such as Ovechkin and the other good players. They're like, okay, well they're back. They'll they'll work. I don't have to work as hard. You're not getting a full effort, like like they were giving out whenever. Those guys were gone, and that's what you need. If you want to win, full effort, full 60 minutes, and that's what you have to do if you want to win. Washington, they got those guys back, and they've been doing good. Ovechkin's been doing fine. He's scoring goals, making passes, and now just the team in general is just kind of slacking, really. Another team on this list, St. Louis. We mentioned that they're playing Arizona, and we also got confirmation just recently that the NHL will add in a third game between St. Louis and Arizona this upcoming Thursday. So it will be three more games of St. Louis and Arizona this upcoming week, making it seven in total consecutively between these two teams. But anyway, so St. Louis, they're on a cold streak. Three-game losing streak. They're sitting on top of the West. Not bad, but they have the most games played in the West. They're only above by one point. They're above like Vegas and Colorado, who have been sitting at that spot for a while because of COVID. They haven't been... they've, They've missed a few games. St. Louis hasn't, and they're just on the slide right now. 
I don't see St. Louis staying at the top of that division right now. Then also, St. Louis, it just seems like they're very inconsistent. Like they won, I think it was three games in a row. And now they're losing three games in a row. So it's an up and down cycle for them. And they just got to get it level-headed. It may be inconsistent winning-wise, but it's been consistent with their season. Early on in the season, against teams, they would win one, lose one. And now they would win three in a row, lose three in a row. It's kind of consistent with St. Louis, how they're doing things, but not in a good way. And the last team that is called Nashville. They're 3-7-0 and in their last 10, with a 1-4 and record in their last five since... And that's their record after they swept Chicago in the January 26th and 27th series. So Nashville, just in general, they're not, they're just not looking good or competitive. I mean, they're just bleh, meh, mediocre. It's about all I can really say about Nashville. It's anything positive, really. So Nashville, they're just, they're not doing it. So looking back at the past week, let's look at games of the week. On Tuesday the 2nd, Vancouver Canucks against the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal won this game 5-3. Tyler Toffoli owns the Vancouver Canucks. Tyler Toffoli. Go crazy. Go stupid. He is unreal. Oh my gosh. This dude cannot stop scoring against Vancouver they think he's a teammate. He's like, I'm going to go to the defensive zone. You go, they're like, okay, okay. It's actually my offensive zone. And Holpe's like, hey, I've never played with this guy before. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do a, a nice little deke and rifle this backhander above your shoulder for the goal of the week. And he just continues just to score, score, score against Vancouver. Toffoli is a monster. Vancouver has them in their nightmares. He used to be their their sweet, soft cloud of a dream, but now he's the devil. <laughs> that was the game of the day on Tuesday. Wednesday the 3rd, Boston Bruins versus Philadelphia Flyers. Boston won this game 4-3 to in overtime. David Pasternak scored a hat trick, and he assisted the overtime goal, helping the Bruins come back in a big way. They, they were down 3-1. to Pasternak tied it. It's a single-handedly, pretty much, and he assisted it to Bergeron to win the game in overtime. Thursday the 4th, Nashville Predators versus Florida Panthers. Nashville won this game 6-5. to Another comeback game. Philip Forsberg, or Philip Scoresberg, he scored two goals and had three assists, and he had the game-winning goal. Jonathan Huberdeau had a great game. Three goals, two assists, and he gets the loss. Kind of heartbreaking. Florida led up two goals in the final minute or two, and it was very heartbreaking for them, but very exuberating for Nashville. Friday the 5th, San Jose Sharks versus Anaheim Ducks. San Jose won this game 5-4 to four in the shootout. Just a solid back-and-forth game against two rivals. I mean, it's just a classic game between these two, and just a solid, solid, solid hockey game, really. Saturday the 6th, Pittsburgh Penguins against the New York Islanders. The Islanders won 4-3 in regulation. The Islanders snapped a five-game losing streak against a good Pittsburgh team. 
in a back and forth game and there's a late game winning goal, it's just all the dramatics that you want out of a hockey game, really. And also that same day, Saturday the 6th, Battle of Alberta, Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames. Calgary won this game 6-4. to four. Just a chippy game, high scoring, and somehow it's a surprise that this game was close on paper, at least. I mean, whenever Markstrom kept allowing goals, I was screaming at my TV, stop, stop, stop. As a hockey fan, I was entertained. I was like, you know what? Edmonton just keeps scoring. Just fine, whatever. Make it like 7-6 or something in overtime. They didn't do that, but still a good game. We got nine more to go with those two. Sunday the 7th, Super Bowl day. Well, the Super Bowl game was not the game of the day, even if we include that. That was boring. Philadelphia Flyers versus Washington Capitals. Philadelphia won this game 7-4. This was a forwards game. This is an offense offense. Ovechkin had two goals, two assists, and who's this guy? Scott Lawton, three goals to help Philly beat Washington. And Washington had the lead most of the game, a lot through the first and second period. And then in the third period, Washington just went cold. They just went on a gold drought, really, while Philadelphia turned it up. Washington pulled their goalie, and we got to see Craig Anderson play for the Washington Capitals that game. Yeah, that was interesting. Anderson and Washington gear. And it wasn't even Washington's red jersey. It was their, their Navy jersey with what should be an L for that game. And that's a fun jersey. I love that jersey. And last but not least, Monday the 8th, yesterday for us, Arizona Coyotes versus St. Louis Blues. Arizona won this game 4-3 to in the shootout. Clayton Keller, buzzer beater. It's just all the dramatics. Again, Ryan O'Reilly, he potted in two goals. He got his 200th career goal, too, which seems kind of low to me, but, I mean, he's a defensive guy, so... Arizona, they come out with two points. They rob the Blues, really. They only come out with one point. This is a series now. This is not a mini-series. This is not a mini-playoff series. This is a series. Because matchups, going into matchups of the week, the top one for us was Arizona and St. Louis. An unexpected series that has lasted for what seems like a lifetime close games in each game Arizona has a 3-1-0 record with one shootout win in a close game that featured a buzzer beater also the second game featured the Blues new reverse retros the red the red jerseys and the Blues had a furious comeback attempt in the final two minutes or so they were down three nothing they scored a goal with the extra extra guy then Arizona scored an empty net to make it look like it was all for nothing and then St. Louis scored two more to make a four to three and I was like okay okay let's see let's just see it let's see four extra attacker goals why not and I was watching the Blues broadcast and the broadcaster said the Blues matched their total for extra attacker goals from last season. Last season, they only had three goals with the goalie pulled. That game, they had three goals scored with the extra guy. So just this whole week, these two teams were seeing each other. And I'm sure they're sick of each other, but 
It's not the end. Another great matchup of the week, Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers. A great close series that featured a comeback and a tight nail-biter. This was a great series. Everything was close. On Boston, the usual guys showed up to play. Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshan, Rask. I mean, they were the main contributors. Not really a surprise, but hey, they're doing their thing. Another good series, Nashville Predators and Florida Panthers. I love my series that are close including a comeback to force overtime. Forsberg and Huberdeau came out as the main stars of that series. That was just an entertaining series. So looking for the next week, matchups to look out for? Well, why not? St. Louis versus Arizona. Make it seven. NHL confirmed today, not too long ago. They will be playing an extra game Thursday to make it three more in a row. So... That's seven games in a row between these two teams. It's not, it's a full game seven series. So let's hope this happens in playoffs. Why not? These two teams, oh, if they met, if they met each other in playoffs, I, I don't know what they would do right away. I don't know if they would just like look at the other guy and be like, you again? Or like, I want to kill you. Probably both. Another matchup to look out for this next week. Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. Classic, classic Canadian rivalry with two top teams. Just those two teams being classic rivals, vying for that first spot, not only in the division, but the league. It's what you want out of these two teams. The last matchup to look out for this next week, Tampa Bay Lightning versus Florida Panthers. These two teams play a two-game series and also play an extra game at the end of the week in the Battle of Florida with Tampa Bay notably but unsurprisingly outwinning Florida in that battle. Those are the matchups to look out for. And before we move on to our fun little games, let's have some rookie talk. There's been some pretty good rookies on kind of unexpected teams, but hey, they're making some relevant again talking about that relevant team all of a sudden now Minnesota they're not irrelevant anymore because of Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov he has nine points so far this season he's been stellar lights out do we have anything to say about Kirill the Thrill they've been waiting on him to come over to the Minnesota Wild he finally gets there and the Minnesota Wild fans are greeted with an amazing performance and he stands out in literally every game that he plays there's always some type of play that you look at you're like wow Minnesota hasn't really been doing that kind of stuff recently and it's showing and you know just with a couple additions of their team they might uh, squeak into a playoff spot there Kaprizov was in the KHL previously right yeah that's where he's been at and they've they drafted him and they let him stay over there to develop and play professionally just not in the NHL. And he finally comes over. They were waiting for him. Fans were waiting for him because they kind of hyped him up for good reason. That development over there, it looks like it tremendously helped him a lot. I mean, he looks the same speed as some players, if not a lot more speed than a lot of players. I mean, he is just zooming around that ice. He looks like he's been playing for four years already. Yeah, he's got great vision on the ice. He's been... He's going to be a stud throughout his career, and hopefully Minnesota locks him up because they need that. Just with Kaprizov 
and Fiala kind of coming out of his shell since being moved over there. Imagine what those two could do in a couple years from now once they kind of get used to each other. I don't want to think about it. It's going to be too scary. Because second in the rookie points, New Jersey's Ty Smith. He's been pretty good too. I love this kid. This kid is lights out. Every single time he steps on the ice, something happens. And honestly, he came out of nowhere. No one was talking about this guy. No rumblings of like, hey, New Jersey has an all-star like rookie coming up kind of thing. Just nothing. Just, you know, quietly comes on to the team, makes the team, and then boom, eight points. He just always looks like he knows where to go with the puck. You never watch him. Some plays you'll see, they kind of freeze up a little bit. Sometimes they don't know where to go with the puck exactly at that time. He looks like every time he's on the ice, he knows exactly where to go with the puck. He has great puck vision. He can break out passes are so good. He is just a tremendous rookie. Are you saying he's a man on a mission now? He is a man on a mission. Minnesota, New Jersey with the top two rookies. Now we have a three-way tie for third place with rookie points. On Chicago, Pia Sutter, seven points. In Ottawa, Josh Norris, seven points. In Vancouver, Niels Hoaglander, such a cool name, seven points. Hoaglander, with us talking about Vancouver, he's also been kind of one of those standouts that they haven't really had much of. And I think that some of the moves that this kid puts on, a little risky, and they look pretty. And he did, he showed us in the World Juniors last year that he's more than capable of making the pretty plays, and he's more than capable of doing it in the NHL. Sutter had a hat trick for Chicago already, and Josh Norris, even though being on Ottawa, he seems to be finding his groove still, but he already has seven points. So imagine what he could do once he kind of figures it out and once he gets used to playing with these players like Kachuk and all these others. What's surprising to me about the rookie leaders is the players that aren't on it, like the first overall and people like Tim Stutzel and stuff like that. Those are the players I'm more surprised of not being on this list, and we're getting shocked with people like Smith, Norris, and Hoaglander. Stutzel or Stutzel or Stutzel, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to say Stutzel. He's been pretty good. I like him. He's just making, I guess, flashy plays. Maybe not consistent plays like these other guys. But as you said, there there is something notable where there are some guys we expected to be on this list that aren't there. But also, just look at the teams here. Minnesota, New Jersey, Chicago, Ottawa, Vancouver. These are not good teams right now. And these rookies are being great. They're stepping up. They're doing something interesting. It's good for their future. And that's ex- like what Tyler just said, like teams that are not the best, they need players to step up. And these teams, like how we mentioned Minnesota, New Jersey, Chicago, Ottawa, Vancouver, those are the teams that need the help, and they're getting it. Yeah, the rookies on the teams that need the help, those players are getting a lot of opportunity to improve themselves. They're getting a lot of ice time. They're getting a, just a lot of opportunities to do good and just get adjusted to the NHL. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season who I thought the top rookie would say, I'd probably say, I think Lafreniere is going to be up there. But Lafreniere, I think he has, I don't remember, I think he only has one goal. I would have argued maybe Stutzla, but 
Stutzel or uh, Lafreniere, because those were the two that were talked about all the time, and they're not up there at the top rookies. Just from looking at World Juniors, because we got to see a lot of them before the season even happened, we really haven't seen Dylan Cousins do too much. He's noticeable, and Buffalo's had COVID problems. He really hasn't stood out too much, and someone that I'm really shocked with is that Quentin Byfield didn't even make the LA Kings roster. I don't think that's a negative thing. I think I think it's fine. You know, don't play someone you drafted high. Don't play them right away. It's it's an okay move. Develop them first. You want them to be good. You don't want to start them out of the gate and potentially get injured right away. Maybe the coaches just saw like, hey, this guy's not just simply not NHL ready. Let him develop. And they want him, obviously, but they don't want him hurt. So what you're saying is you'd rather take the L.A. kind of side of it versus the Ottawa, New York, where they just brought Stutzel and Lafaniere in? Because Lafaniere was predicted to be NHL ready, and he's here, and he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of at the surface of what he can do, and he's still finding his game. Well, they do say the best players find it out. They find a way. There have been notable players where we see them as superstars right now, where they began their career with nothing much impressive, but give them time. Putting them in the NHL right away is fine as long as they are able to produce, they don't get injured, but it is a risk. I personally like the development strategy that LA may be taking because... Not everyone's NHL ready right away. Not everyone is just good to go. They need that development, even if they're a top prospect, where it might be hard for them. They come into the NHL right away, they don't score right away, and everyone's just bashing them like, oh, he's he, he hasn't even scored his goal yet, and he's five games in. It's like, well, he, he's a rookie. Give him time. He'll, he'll figure it out if he's going to be this good player, but sometimes it's just a risk to say they're that good player. Develop them. Make them that good player through your system it just kind of reminds me of how last season it was with Jack Hughes he came into the league he didn't really do that much in his first spurter games and the whole season season he was just kind of up and down he wasn't you know being a superstar but then you look at him this year his second year and he's been on fire he's been playing pretty good he looks like he knows what he's doing all the time and you can obviously tell that he developed a lot and it kind of reminds me what maybe what Lafreniere is going to do this year. He's kind of maybe a little bit like Hughes and maybe explode next year. Another team that weighed in on a prospect was St. Louis. And they turn out to get Jordan Cairo. And he's kind of been balls to the wall since he stepped foot on the team. And he's been kind of here and there in the lineup for injuries. But this year he's finally made it full time and he's taking it and running with it. Yeah, these rookies are doing good and good for them, good for their team. They have bright futures. They're doing great. That's all for rookie talk. All right, quick six. Last week's results, we were all two and four. Everyone was just two and four. Looking back at last week's questions, I'll begin with my questions even though I asked mine last. My first question was, will the New York Islanders have a winning record? Correct answer was yes, they went two and oh. And we all said... No, so we all lost. They beat Pittsburgh 4-3 to and New York Rangers 2 nothing. Only ended up playing those two games because 
because of Buffalo, but hey, a winning record is a winning record. And my second question, will Tom Brady get his seventh ring? Yep, don't bet against him. He wins Super Bowl 55 against the Kansas City Chiefs, 31-9 to in Tampa Bay. He's a, he has the most Super Bowl rings out of any NFL player. He has more rings, he has more championships than any individual franchise. Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots have six each. Brady has seven. It's unreal. And he earned his fifth Super Bowl MVP. So we all we all won that question. Dakota, what were your two questions from last week? First question was, will the Montreal Canadiens sweep the Ottawa Senators in their two-game series? Correct answer was no. Montreal went 1-1, one and one, lost game one, 3-2, and then they won game two, 2-1. Two to one. And the winners, none of us. <laughs> none of us guessed that one correctly. And then the second question was, will Justin Falk still lead the league in plus-minus by the end of the week? Correct answer was no. Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie are tied for the lead, and the winners were all of us. Interesting note, Falk is fourth and Krug is fifth, and Schwartz is sixth for plus minus in the NHL, all from St. Louis. And they're they're on the cold list. So that's kinda weird. I don't know. I, I was just I just saw that on I just looked at the top ten for plus minus and I just see Falk, Krug, Schwartz, I'm like, oh, gee, oh, geez, am I looking at St. Louis plus minus? No, just NHL. Well, imagine what they could have, what they could be if they were winning these games instead of losing them. Right. Arizona's got their number. Arizona's doing good. They'll take it. Okay, so, Evan, what were your two questions from last week? My first question was, will any team score less than six goals this week? And we did have a disclaimer on this one. Teams that were affected by COVID were going to be automatically disqualified. The correct answer was no. Everyone got over six. We did have some close calls, though. The winners on that were none of us. My second question is, will a team with the main color of red get a shutout this week? Those teams being Montreal, Calgary, Washington, New Jersey, Florida, Carolina, Detroit, and Chicago. None of them got a shutout this week. The winners of that were none of us. So we all went 2-4 and four last week. That was a bad one. We all took an L, but we all had the same answer, so we just ride and die together. The overall results for a quick six so far this season, Dakota still sits at third place. He's 9-14. and 14. Tyler sits at second place, 11-12. and 12. Under 500, damn it. And Evan... Says so at twelve and seven. Moving on to next week's quick six. This upcoming week, I'll begin with my first two questions. Will the leading goal scorer of the week be a player from the Scotia North Division? I say yes. You have the likes of Connor McDavid, Leon Drysidel, Austin Matthews, and even Tyler Toffoli playing in games that consist of their teams playing each other such as Montreal is playing Toronto twice, Montreal is playing Edmonton once, Toronto's playing against Ottawa as well, so there's some free goals there probably. And Edmonton is also playing Ottawa too, while also playing Winnipeg this week. Games against each other, those players, and some games against Ottawa, so I think, yeah, the leading goal scorer of the week will be out of the Scotia North division. 
Dakota, what do you think? I'm going to go yes on this one. With the talent the North Division has, it's a no doubt that the leading goal scorer of the week will be a player from the North Division. You just look at those stats and you just kind of tell that that's going to be how it is. Evan, how about you? I'm also going to say yes. As of right now, the top six players in the league with goals, and then they're all from the North. You got Matthews, McDavid, Besser, Toffoli, Dreisaitl, and Anderson, all in that order. And all of them at least have eight goals so far. And the first player that's from an American team is Van Riemsdyk from Philadelphia with seven. You know, the North Division hasn't had any COVID problems, so no games are really getting canceled. And most of them are high scoring. We all agree. We all say yes. My second question, will we see a team put up over 50 shots in a single game? The current season record for shots on goal in a game is 50. That was set by the New York Rangers in a 4-3 loss to the New Jersey Devils on January 19th. So the New Jersey goaltender, Blackwood, Wedgwood. So... Over 50 shots? I'm going to say yeah. Why not? 50 shots alone is a daunting task. That should never be set as a goal for any team. But I feel confident that there will be some sloppy games. Or at least a sloppy game. By defense mixed with some opposing offensive urgency. In some divisions such as the North Division. Or the central division. I can see I, I see that fifty shots can be have fifty shots can happen. So Dakota, what do you think? I'm gonna say no on this one. I don't see a team getting fifty shots in one game. Uh, kinda look at the mat looked at the matchups for this question and I just don't see any matchups to where I see one very, very dominant team facing a lower end scale team at the bottom of the stings. I don't really see a team getting 50 shots. Evan, what do you think? I'm also going to say no and agree with Dakota. Even though teams have kind of been sniffing around the 40 shots per game mark, 50 is kind of a lot. You really got to be dominating a team to get 50, and I'll just play the odds against since it hasn't happened yet. The one team to get to get 50, they may have dominated shots, but they lost. That's my rebuttal. Dakota? What were your two questions? First question is going to be, will Braden Hopi have above a 3.75 goals against average for the overall season by the end of the week? My answer, I say no. I see Hopi getting below 3.75. I see Vancouver coming out this week a little bit hungrier than they've been coming out because they notice that they're in a hole. They know they got to come out aggressive. They know they got to win some games. So I actually see... Vancouver doing at least decent this week. So kind of goes hand-in-hand with goaltending. I don't think they'll have that many goals against. And I don't think see his goals against average fluctuating above 3.75. What do you think, Tyler? I think Braden Holpe will have his goals against average be above that 3.75. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go against you. Holpe, he's still a good goalie. But Vancouver, still bad at defense. He just can't can't change that. I mean, sure, he might see more shots against, but that helps with save percentage, not goals against average. And he's just seeing the more shots against. 
and Vancouver's defense just in general is allowing the most Vancouver has let in the most goals not only in the North Division but the entire NHL they have let in the most goals they've scored the most goals too but you have to think they also have the most games played so it just doesn't look good for Vancouver and I can see them allowing easily four goals a game in in most games at least so I think that will that goes against average will go up what do you think Evan on this question I'm going to agree with Tyler. Vancouver plays Calgary three times this week. Calgary goals four per game. They get a 2.93, so almost three goals per game. And then Vancouver lets in like 4.11 goals against. So just how the numbers look, you're already giving up four per game. So that would make the goals against go up. So I'm going to say yes. For my second question... It's going to be, will the Chicago Blackhawks still be above 500 by the end of the week? My answer, yes. I think they'll lose against the Stars. That'll make them 500. And then they'll lose against Columbus, which will make them one game below 500. And then I think they're going to beat Columbus again, which will make them even. And I think they'll beat Detroit, which will make them above 500. What do you think about that, Tyler? All right. That's pretty sound. You're actually going with predictions per game. I don't know about that. I wouldn't I wouldn't go into detail about games, even though I've done it plenty of times before. Yeah, I think the Chicago Blackhawks will be above five hundred by the end of the week. They have been they've been the surprise team of the season, in my opinion. Their penalty kill is one of the best in the NHL. They still have Patrick Kane putting up points nightly, pretty much, and the Hawks are they view themselves as a team to be reckoned with. They view themselves as hey, we're not going down without a fight, and they've proved it. They, they're they in a playoff position right now. They're above 500 right now. They're doing better than what the expectations were, so I I feel confident in Chicago. What do you think about this, Evan? I'm going to say yes, too. Chicago, they play four games, like you said, Dakota. You also said that they're 5-4-4. Four, and four. I mean, they only need to win two to say above 500, and you're kind of looking at the Detroit game as – a win for them, and then to me, like you said, all I gotta do is kind of win one of those Columbus games, and you got it. Sounds good. What were your two questions? My first question is: Will the Lightning outshoot the Panthers in their three-game series in Tampa Bay? To answer my own question, I'm gonna say yes. Tampa Bay and Florida play a three-game series this week: two in Tampa and one in Florida. Tampa Bay, on average, gets 27.7 shots against per game, and Florida, on average, gets 31.7 shots against per game. So, guess going by the numbers, I'll be taking Tampa Bay. What about you, Tyler? I'll agree with you. I'll say yes. Even even if Florida tightens up their defense to help control their shots against average, I would expect Tampa to do so in return, to tighten up their defense against Florida which would result in a low-shooting series. But Tampa would still ultimately win in in the shots and goal category. Yeah, even if Florida tightens it up, Tampa will be like, well, we can tighten it up. I feel confident that they'll outshoot them. What's your take on this question, Dakota? I'm going to say no on this question. I'm going to take Florida in this. Florida's had a really, really good defense. Uh, they're forwards, four-checking, and they're always on the puck. They're always... 
putting a body on, and their defense hasn't has been very good, above what I thought they would be at the beginning of this season. They've actually surprised me. I think I think Florida's gonna outshoot them in their three game series. So for the sixth and final question, <laughs> for the quick six, will San Jose have better than an eighty percent penalty kill percentage this week? I'm gonna say yes. San Jose is top three in the league on the kill at the moment. They play four games this week, L.A. twice, Vegas once, Anaheim once. L.A. has an all-right power play hitting at 20.9%. Vegas is not too far behind them at 15.6 on the power play. And Anaheim, man, Anaheim is dead last, 31 of 31, and they are not even getting 10%. They're getting a 6.7%. What do you think, Tyler? We're going to go against you. I'm going to say no. They have a great penalty kill. They're a good PK team so far. I I think their opponents may want to view the Sharks as a team to beat, though. Vegas especially. Uh, Vegas may single-handedly be able to bring their their penalty kill down. The goal for the Sharks for this question, don't, don't take penalties, especially against Vegas, because they can bury them. And then L.A. and Anaheim, I mean, they may struggle two score power play goals especially Anaheim Ugh. yikes but they are both rivals against San Jose so their willingness will just be up against San Jose so I'm gonna say no their penalty kill will be below that 80 percent all right Dakota what's your thoughts I'm gonna say no go with Tyler I think LA when they go against the Sharks I think LA is gonna see the Sharks as a team they can beat think they're going to see this as a game they need to go ahead and try to get that W, and I think their power play is going to click. And then I don't think it's really a question that Vegas power play is going to click because they've been Vegas power plays. Watch it, and they're just doing really good on that power play. They have a lot of, on their power play lines, really good forwards, and they're always clicking, it seems like. And then, like you said, the Ducks, I don't see the Ducks – really doing anything on the power play. But I think L.A. and Vegas is going to carry the load. Those are our questions. We'll see the answers next week. Moving on to friendly wagers, let's look at last week's questions. I'll start with mine. This is our over-under section, by the way. My question was, will we see over-under 8.5 goals scored in regulation or overtime in the Battle of Alberta? The correct answer was over. We saw 10 goals in a 6-4 Calgary victory. We all said under, so we all lost that. Hindsight's 2020. Get that year out of here. But hindsight is 2020, and it's like, yeah, that, yeah, that game's probably, yeah, it's not a shocker that it's high scoring, but yeah, I didn't really see 10 goals being scored, but it is what it is. They hate each other. I guess they hate each other's goalies, too. They're like, Fuck you. You're not stopping this. Dakota, what was your question? Friendly wagers. It was interesting. Mine was, will the Minnesota Wild let in less than eight and a half goals against the week? And correct answer, well, they only played one game before the COVID shutdown, so question's not going to count. The winners, none of us, because it got shut down. <laughs> Evan, what was your question? Dakota's had two questions back-to-back weeks that have been canceled due to COVID, so hopefully his questions this week will stick. Yeah, jumping back to my question, uh, 
I had over under will the Detroit Red Wings get three point five goals from a defenseman this week. You know, they only got one, so it was under, and Mark Stahl got it against Florida in game one. Winners were all of us. Last week's results, we were all one and one. We all lost the first one. We all, unfortunately, lost the second one, but we're not going to count that because it was COVID. And then we all won the third one, so overall results right now, Tyler's still sitting at third, four and seven, and then it's just completely flip-flopped for a tie at first. Dakota and Evan are seven and four. Okay, so looking at next week's questions, I'll start with mine. Over-under. Will we see over or under 2.5 different division leaders by the end of the week? Put a little context into your head. Current leaders right now, Toronto is leading the North Division. Boston is leading the East Division. Tampa Bay with the Central. And St. Louis in the West. Dakota, what do you think? I'm going to say over on this one. Uh, I see the North switching to the Canadians going in the first place. And then I see Philly taking over in the East. And then I for sure see Vegas taking over that first place spot in the West and taking over the Blues. All right. Evan, how about you? I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say under. I feel like Toronto and Tampa Bay will stay on top of their divisions. They seem pretty solid to me. The ones I'm not too sure about, though, are St. Louis and Boston. Like, Philly's right behind Boston. And then Vegas, like we've mentioned it before, they they had the COVID problems a couple of weeks ago or last week, and they are got some games in hand, and Vegas has – or St. Louis has a lot of games played, and they're only one point ahead of Vegas. And Vegas plays Anaheim and San Jose this week, and they could easily pass St. Louis. All right, good answer. I'll I'll agree with you. I'll say under as well. West Division – for sure is going to have a different leader. St. Louis, they're just they're on a pretty bad skid thanks to Arizona and they play Arizona this week. I don't I don't foresee St. Louis being able to get a really good winning record this week against Arizona if they are able to. And then Boston, they have the tiebreaker against Philly with less games played. It's really a coin toss really for this next week. So, that could change. Kind of Saying what you said, Evan, West and East, yeah, they're probably going to change. But the other divisions, you know, Toronto, they're leading, and they play Montreal. I give Toronto the edge against Montreal for that division lead and, and the series against the two teams, which would ultimately result in Toronto gaining a lot of legroom against Montreal. And then Tampa, they're up against a mediocre Nashville team. Again, and a surprising third-place Florida team. But I got to go Tampa Bay on that series because I think Tampa will just beat them easily. So, under. Will for sure see a change in the east and the west? North and central? I don't think so. So, Dakota, what was your question? My question is, will Kopitar have over or under 16.5 points by the end of the week? What do you think, Tyler? I'm going to go with over. Kopitar has been having a solid season so far, putting up multi-point games a couple times so far this season, and he's against a mediocre Sharks team. They, they're good penalty-killing-wise, but they're just meh, and Kopitar himself, he's lethal. So individual stats right here, he's going to get him. 
What do you think, Evan? I'm going to agree with Tyler. I'm going to say over. He's currently sitting at 14 points, and L.A. only plays two games this week, which kind of makes me think maybe under. And But they're going against San Jose, and like Tyler said, kind of a mediocre team. They had a Minnesota game that was postponed, though. Kopitar has been the best player in L.A. by a lot, and the next possible person to even get close to him is Brown. He only has eight. Then my answer, I'm going to say over. I actually see him kind of going off against San Jose. I see him maybe getting three points in one game and then two in another. All right, Kopitar for the win. Why not? Evan, what was your question? My question is over, under, will Winnipeg score 14.5 goals this week? What is your look on that one, Tyler? I'm going over. 14.5 over-unders a bit. But they play an Ottawa team, and I think Ottawa alone may push the envelope for like, hey, you want 15 goals? So Winnipeg might get a lot of goals against Ottawa. And they play they play a couple other teams this week, but two games against Ottawa. So that's just kind of a goal fest for, for one team at least. All right, Dakota, what about you? I'm going to say under. Uh, I see Ottawa maybe surprising them one game and winning in overtime, and then... I think Winnipeg will probably blow them out in the next game after that. But then I see a close game in Calgary and Edmonton, and I see maybe 10 to 11 goals, but I don't see 14 and a half happening. To answer my own question, I'm going to go over two with Tyler. Winnipeg, like Tyler said, plays four games this week, Ottawa twice, Calgary once, and Edmonton. You know, they got to score on average a 3.75 goals per game to get over, to get the over. Ottawa, you know... Big problem there is goaltending, and when you have a problem with goaltending, you get some easy goals. They might get some. I'm somewhat confident in Calgary and Edmonton's goaltending, or to put up a solid game at least in goal and not let that many in. I'm really betting on the Winnipeg-Ottawa series, and I'm really betting on Winnipeg to kind of beat up on them. All right. Sounds good. Those are our questions. We'll know next week. So good luck to you guys. Nat, I want to win. As we close out this episode, just want to say some exciting news this morning. We've hit our first milestone for the podcast. We've hit 100 total plays through the first four episodes, even though this is a small milestone in some perspectives. Everyone has to start somewhere, and we're feeling pretty proud of ourselves. Give ourselves a nice pat on the back. Yeah, feel good. Why not? Everyone here at Fanville would like to thank you, the viewers, for listening to us and giving your time to tune in to our show as we talk about the best sport ever, hockey. So thank you all for listening to us for this episode, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.